I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretap. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. The McDonald Cartier Freeway. In southern Ontario, this highway known for its speed, size, and middling efficiency, swells to a colossal 16 lanes. This stretch is called the 401. A grey hellscape, dotted with red taillights like oh-so-many backwards Rudolphs. And it's here, on this stretch of highway, our story begins. I'm Macy Rowe. This is The Doc Project. Somewhere on that highway, regular contributor Tom Howell and his wife, Linda Besner, are sandwiched between a rock and a hard place. If a rock and a hard place were both trucks. And in the spirit of this Yuletide season, Tom is trying to do something unnatural. Share a sense of peace and common goodwill with his fellow drivers. Here's Tom. A highway at Christmas time. You want to sing my song? God rest ye merry vehicles upon the 401 And pray you not to mangle me before this day is done. No? It's too dorky and I cannot handle it. Please don't. Sometimes these songs are best sung on one's own. God rest ye merry vehicles upon the 401. I pray you not to mangle me before this day is done. At least don't even bash my car or make me hit someone. Driving in comfort and joy, and joy. Driving in comfort and joy. In my world, Christmas is about finding joy in banal situations. People put up lights and colors against the cold and darkness. And they go and visit friends and family they forgot to see for most of the year. If you live in southern Ontario, though, this can mean finding yourself spending more time than usual on the busiest highway in North America, the 401. Ah, Jesus Christ. A <laughs> uh, go bus was just going by us Me? on the left. And well... <laughs> Civic was taking out over us on the right. I just, I didn't like it. No. Don't risk ye tractor trailer and sway not in my lane And Mr. Tailgater, must you be so insane? I'll get out of your way, but right now you are being a pain Driving in comfort and joy, comfort and joy Driving in comfort and joy The Christmas spirit is also, of course, attached philosophically to the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. He famously encouraged his followers to love their neighbors and even love their enemies. The 401 is about the hardest place I know of to do this. Oh my God. Uh, I just. That truck was close. You're right. No, I. Right? Legitimately scary. No, I think this is the thing. I think it's quite rational to be afraid of being on a highway with a whole bunch of strangers and you're just supposed to believe that they see you and 
wish you well enough <laughs> to not hit you. In my sheltered life, driving on the 401 is about as close as I ever get to people who appear to be trying to kill me and my wife, Linda. In fact, I'd say the only time I really feel hatred towards another person, not counting people on television, is when they're whizzing past me on the right-hand side of my car while I'm trying to retreat in that direction towards the relative safety of a slower lane. Whoa. Huh? Oh, I feel like they fully gave us a dirty look, too. Okay, well. I don't know if this is related to getting older, but I've been finding it harder and harder to feel anything but fear, despair, and enmity in this dull, dangerous social arena. I don't want to let the Grinch win where I have to spend so many hours. So this year, I'm trying to bring my Christmas spirit where it least wants to go and learn to love my neighbor on the 401. There we go. Okay, Beautiful. Wow. Well done. Nice and relaxing, eh? <laughs> I hate this ah. so much. <laughs> I don't think that this should be legal. They say the tongue is high where somebody dies each day And I am born to wonder if it must be this way When most of us in person will be nice enough to say We wish you thriving in comfort and joy Comfort and joy Thriving in comfort and joy Okay, from this stop sign, if you could please make a right turn and I'll help you. I have you. to say, this is the first time I've sat with a driving instructor. Really? Since I was 19. I see. And I'm 42 now, so I expect I'm horribly rusty. Um, right turn from here, please, and thank you. I've often felt the reason driving on a busy highway is so unpleasant is the other drivers, my neighbors and my enemies. But it's widely known that almost every driver believes themselves to be better and safer than almost every other driver. So I often wish I had an impeccable authority on highway safety beside me in the passenger seat, ready to back me up. What about this guy who's passing me quite fast on the right? Legitimate? Not? In my opinion, no. I do not agree with that at all. There clearly is no obstruction in his way. Um, why would you do that? Nina Sheikh works for Ultimate Drivers, providing classroom lessons and in-car instructions on road safety. I've asked her to come along and let me know how I'm doing. Creeping up at 120 now. Yes, you are. Is that okay by you, or is that like you shouldn't be um, going 120? Please do. I would just definitely say that when you passed that vehicle, you were at 110, and I was very comfortable with that. But then that tractor trailer was also racing with us, not like not slowing down, knowing that we were trying to get back into our lane. It's under the circumstances, and I believe that it should be acceptable because obviously, if I'm going to slow down and somebody's going to rear end my car, it's wrong at my end. So, Absolutely. 120. 120. Okay, great. But not 130. Absolutely not, no. The longer I drive with Nina in the passenger seat, the more it becomes clear to me that she's a stickler for the rules. I'm not particularly very happy with this tractor-trailer driver. He's got tons of logs and there is no mesh on top. That doesn't seem safe at all. They can no, they can fly, yes, and it can hurt somebody. Well, so. nothing I can do about it, though. What we can do, I can take down his number and I can actually speak. Yes, you can. Get him in trouble. You. you must see people all the time. You yes. can't report everyone. I, well, if I have to be very honest with you, I do report people who are not adhering to the law. Like, I'm very tempted to actually call now. Okay. Well, you're if, in the passenger seat, so you can call. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Hi, I'd like to report um, there's a tractor trailer driver with unsecured goods um, on okay, it. Don't hang up, ma'am. I'm going to transfer you to uh, OPP. Hi, sir. I would like to report a tractor trailer driver carrying unsecured goods on 401 Toronto East. Um, would you like me to give? He's carrying a lot of logs. It's like, um, you know, like wooden planks kind of thing. And uh, there's no mesh around it. And I find it very um, dangerous because that can definitely fly in and can actually cause a very bad collision. Okay, so what do you mean there's no mesh? Um, it's, it's, it's unsecured, sir, in my opinion. Uh, how do you, okay, how do, how do you know that? Um, there are only straps. Um, they're just strapped. Uh, the woods are like um, um, a height, quite a height, and they're all strapped. But there's no mesh yeah, around that's it. that's generally how they're, how they're transported. To me, by the way, but the look of it, sir, it does not make by any... By the look of it? Yeah, probably, but that, that's generally how they're transported. Okay, sir, then you know best. I can get a, a broadcast out there, but uh, what's, what's your name? I feel better. I feel better that I did that. I yeah. may be wrong, but at the end of the day, that did not look secured to me. Yeah. And that can cause a collision. And I had a bad experience of that sort, Tom, a long what? time ago. Um, I know a somebody who passed away because of that. Yes, so I'm always on the lookout for anything like this. And I, because I saw that family, the way that family suffered afterwards. It was not wow. very nice, right? What's the fastest you've ever driven? In Canada, always on 100, 110 when I'm passing a tractor trailer driver or another vehicle on the side. Are you serious? Not, you've never driven no, 120? No. And believe you me, I have not got a single speeding ticket. I have never got, in any of the countries where I've lived, never got any ticket. I have a good clean driving record and I'm very proud of it. Nina tells me she's grown accustomed to getting all kinds of abuse on the road. People swearing and honking and raising their middle finger at her, all because she's obediently following the speed limit. Somebody swears at me, I just kind of think, okay, that's you. Um, as a person, I respect you. You must be angry at something. You're taking it out on me. It's not fair, but that's okay. You know, that's all right. It may be okay for Nina, but this kind of social unpleasantness would be a problem for me. I don't like making other drivers angry. And trying to follow the speed limit also seems to put me in a lot of hairy situations involving big trucks. For me, comfort and joy on the 401 is when I can drive at my favorite speed of 123 kilometers an hour. Partly because that feels like what most of my neighbors are doing. And partly because I like how the number spells 123. Like I said, it's all about finding joy in the banal. This speed means I generally avoid the kind of abuse Nina receives but there are still plenty of cars that put pressure on me to go faster. I often find myself caught between the fear of making that person behind me get mad and the fear of giving way to their pressure, speeding up to 130 or 140 and getting pulled over by a cop. Would that cop understand I was only trying to make everybody happy? Yeah, so I'm Kerry Schmidt. I'm a sergeant with the OPP. I work with the Highway Safety Division here in the GTA. Usually I try not to draw the attention of the Ontario Provincial Police while I'm driving on the 401. But today, I'm doing things differently. 
So I've never driven with a, a law enforcement officer <laughs> quite so close to me before. I'm cresting over 120. Mm -hmm. But you know, I got people passing me, I got you know, the flow of traffic. What speed should I be going right now in your view? Well, the speed limit is the speed limit. So 100 kilometers per hour is the official max speed limit. And I'm not gonna tell you that it's okay to go in excess of that. Oh. I can tell you, I see you are actually speeding at this time. I know. And, and I see there's other people <laughs> that are actually nervous. speeding uh, in excess of, of your speed. I'm gonna now, you know, you're dodging the question though. I'm dodging the question. What's so are you not allowed to, is it, uh, tell me, like your job means that you're not allowed to basically sort of say, I know everyone goes 120. Like, well, you know. sure, I acknowledge that traffic often does go at, at speeds in excess of the speed limit. And when I set up for a, a laser or speed enforcement campaign, I'll sit and I'll just measure the speed of every vehicle going by. And I know that if, if most of the cars are going 105, 110, 115, uh, I'm not saying it's right, but I know I am looking for those high-risk drivers. So the exceedingly slow or the exceedingly fast drivers that are out on the highways. Not likely going to stop you, and I don't think an officer is going to stop you for uh, going with the flow of traffic. That's as close as I'm going to risk coming to a speeding ticket while you're here. Yeah. So if I'm kind of doing the, I don't want to slow traffic down, it's safer to go with the flow of traffic mm. kind of thing. Like when that, you know, 110, all right, I feel safe. 120, but I've been in traffic flows where mm -hmm. it really felt like the flow literally is, like mm -hmm. it's over 130. I'm 130 in the right-hand lane, yeah. people are passing me, I'm the slow car yeah, here. Of course. Like at some point you have to just be like, okay, I'm out. Like yeah. I'm not going with the flow anymore. No, exactly. Do you have any sense of like, where is that number? So where is that number? Yeah, and I would probably say in the, in the 115s, 120s, I would challenge you to go out into an open highway and, and put your cruise control to 100 on the dot and see how far you can go before you bump into a vehicle going 90. There's plenty of cars that are going actually below the speed limit. People often think that everybody's doing 120, 130, and they're not. You will remember every sports car that blows your doors off, but you won't remember every minivan and every other car that you passed that you have no recollection of. Kerry won't exactly say it, but I'm probably fine letting a tailgater push my speed up a bit so I can get out of their way and keep them happy, thus ensuring social peace and harmony. But it turns out there is a way my current habits could get me in trouble with the cops. It has to do with my most hated maneuver, the dreaded case of somebody whizzing past me on the right. Here we are, we're driving in the left lane, there's cars in front of us, but there's pa cars passing us on the right. And my comment is, if a car ever passes you on the right, that yeah. means you're in the wrong lane. Okay, so I should so, get out of this So lane. let's get out of this lane, because okay. if the left lane is for passing and the right lane is for driving, if you're gonna pass, pass on the left. Right. Now, when you have cars passing on both sides, that gets confusing, and very often, sure you, you'll see a car weaving through traffic and they're weaving through traffic because they're frustrated of some motorist who's going a little slower than them in the yeah. left lane. But I gotta say, this often produces a lot of lane changers. Sure. Like, to duck in and out every time you pass someone is gonna mean you're changing lanes all the time. Isn't yeah. that kind of dangerous too? Well, do you know what? To me, that shows attention. Driving is active. You have to think about what's going on around you. So what about the person who drives in the left-hand lane at 120 and says, I'm already speeding. So, There's no excuse for someone to be up behind me wanting me to, like, you know, so I'm in my rights to be in this lane. And I've heard that excuse countless times. And I'll just say that it's not your job 
to control the rate of speed of others. I had a debate with, uh, with a gentleman one day and he goes, I am going to be driving on the QW every day and I put my cruise control on to 120 and I park it in the left lane because there's no reason for anybody to be going faster than that and I'm entitled to my lane. And I told him, do you know what, in that situation, I'd be pulling you over as the offender. And he was shocked by that, oh, oh, oh. and uh, that, that, I, that he would be at fault. But in, in actuality... You'd be in for the fight of an afternoon yeah, there, wouldn't you? Exactly. Ticketing someone for <laughs> not letting someone speed past them. No, exactly. AC here. Coming up, Tom looks into the numbers to see if he's actually in as much danger as Linda's screams suggest he is. I pray you not to mangle me before this day is done. It strikes me that it would be easier to feel love for my neighbors on the 401 if I wasn't convinced they're on the brink of killing me all the time. The fact is... What if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Despite the constantly threatening scenarios I've faced or caused on the road, no one so far has actually hit me. This raises the question of how rational it is to say that driving on the 401 puts me in any significant danger. I recently downloaded and printed out all the reports I could find on road deaths and injuries in Canada and Ontario over the past several years. It's obviously a depressing overload of facts about how many people's jaws needed wiring shut and the average number of days people spent in hospital and so on. But I was looking for help figuring out exactly how afraid to be of my fellow citizens on the highway. Someone like me really shouldn't be left alone drawing conclusions from statistics. Are you Nathan? Yes, hey. Hey, Tom, how are you? Good. So I dumped all my reports in a big pile onto the desk of an expert at the University of Toronto. I'm Nathan Tabak. I'm a, um, an associate professor here in the Department of Statistical Sciences and Computer Science, and also the Director of Data Science. Okay, so you know about data and numbers. I hope so. <laughs> okay, yeah, here's yeah. all the numbers. Yeah. Preliminary 2017 Ontario Road Safety Annual Report Selected... Nathan tells me it's not enough to know that the number of road deaths per year has gone down in Canada and Ontario over the past 30 years. A better guide to how much danger you're in is something that takes into account your own exposure to the risks, like how many kilometres a typical person would drive before they are likely to be killed. In Ontario, in 2017, for instance, for every 100 million kilometers driven, 0.39 people would die in an accident. 100 million kilometers? That's huge. That's more than I'm going to travel. That's, that's way more than I think all of us are going to travel. <laughs> okay, so... Like if we were to talk about persons killed in motor vehicle collisions, let's say per million kilometers, um, that would be almost infinitesimally small. This person's killed in motor vehicle collisions per 100 million kilometers traveled, being 0.39, actually makes me, feel, makes me feel a little bit better. However, not all kilometers driven are equal, nor are all drivers. The road accident reports try to help you narrow things down and spot how your own risk might be different from someone else's. They do this by giving stats on specific driving behaviors. But it's not at all clear what to make of these numbers. 
30% of times when the person died, they weren't wearing a seatbelt. Mm. So, yeah, wear a seatbelt. Okay. But that's easy. <laughs> but, but on the other hand, 70% were wearing a seatbelt. So it's actually more dangerous to wear a seatbelt. Maybe. <laughs> no. <laughs> 15% of Canadian drivers admit to having fallen asleep while driving in the past year. Mm. That's... 15%. That, that's, that's really disturbing, actually. Yeah, yeah 15%. Um, but on the other hand, I guess if they could admit it, then they didn't die. Wow. So 100% of those 15% didn't die. Because well, they answered the questionnaire. It, it, that's right. I guess so. So in other words, falling asleep while driving, maybe, completely maybe safe. It, well, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a way for me to quantify the risk I face? I think there must be, but I don't think you've got that data here. It's all the data I could find. It's all the da- yeah, I know. Well, I, I hear you. I mean, I couldn't find much either. <laughs> so when I'm out, then I see someone driving crazy, and I'm like, that person is trying to kill me, or that person could get me killed. I, Am I basing it on anything? Probably not, no. No, it's just an intuition. It's just your gut feeling. People misinterpret probabilities all the time, and uh, it's a common thing. I think we're actually hardwired to not be able to interpret probabilities. Thank you for all this help. You're welcome. If my hatred and fear of various neighbors on the 401 isn't cerebral and rational, but is more of a gut feeling, then it's probably no use trying to think my way into loving them. Instead, I need to train my emotions by walking a mile in my enemy's shoes, except with driving and wheels. This challenge leads me to make friends with a guy called Chris, who I find through his advocacy group, stop100.ca. Uh, so you want me to uh, introduce the Stop 100, or, or that's not part of this, uh, or that's completely irrelevant? How how do you want me to uh, approach this? I think that's relevant. I think that's relevant. Is it okay? Yeah. Okay, so I'm, my name is Chris Klimek, and uh, I'm the founder of Stop100.ca, which is an advocacy group for proper speed limits on provincial highways. Chris's organization has looked at data on how fast people actually drive, and they've concluded that for most parts of Highway 401, there should be a speed limit of 130 kilometers an hour. Factoring in some tolerance from the police, this would permit anyone who wants to to go 140 kilometers an hour on a clear day without breaking any laws. So I would say that would be a pretty comfortable speed to drive at. So we do find a bit of, you know, a lot of hypocrisy here that these speeds, especially 140, is often uh, labeled as a dangerous, reckless speed, which it isn't because you can have a highway flowing at that speed all the time. Now, back when I was driving with Nina, the highway safety expert, She criticized me for having my foot on the gas pedal too much. Well, Chris thinks my biggest flaw is the opposite. For him, I don't step on the gas enough. I can already criticize you. Okay, great. I should be in the middle. I'm I'm ready to criticize you. So when you were passing in the leftmost lane, uh, you you, you signaled, which was great. You got into the left lane. However, you should have stepped on it much more. Oh, yeah. Uh, Because if there's somebody behind you, they're going to have to patiently wait for you to finish. There's no one behind so, you. So, uh, but what if there was? Your point being that my, my standard pass just takes too long. Like I spend too long in the passing. Absolutely, yes. I would basically just complete the maneuver faster. Okay, I'm going uh, w- Whether there's somebody behind you or not. Right. Then this guy we're s- seeing right now, he's taking about uh, 40 seconds to pass this guy. Absolutely. Too he, slow. He's doing maybe 10 kilometers faster than the car he's passing. He should be doing 30 kilometers faster. <laughs> I try following Chris's advice, revving up to pass, quickly retreating into the right-hand lane, 
getting obstructed by a slower vehicle, and then revving up to pass again. This is very different from my usual style, where I'm always aiming to stay at 123 kilometers an hour for as long as possible. Anyway, here I am on a three-lane highway, going good old one, two, three kilometers an hour in the right-hand lane, and we come up to a white van in the middle lane going slower than me. And the question is, am I now going to do what I've always hated other people doing and whiz past them on the right-hand side? That's a very hard question to answer because, uh, again, you're a victim here of this person, right? So do you then create more work for yourself and uh, potentially doing something more dangerous by doing two left lane changes at the same time? To be quite honest with you, I would just pass on the right. Because, uh, but the next thing I would do is continue fighting the system. So don't just pass on the right and be happy with it. Fight the system. For Chris, whizzing past somebody on the right isn't aggressive. It's a social justice issue. It's all a victim can really do in the face of the poor lane discipline of other drivers and the systemic failures of driver education in this country. Now, he's been very polite about my own driving style, but I sense that to really see things from his point of view, I need to hand the keys over and take a turn in the passenger seat. So see, this is what I mean about flooring. If I want to do it safely, I should really step on it. And now, now how fast do you want me to go? Oh, I don't want you to put us in danger. So I'm doing 130. Yeah, of course, that was a that was a joke. So I'm doing 130 right now, and there's a vehicle behind me. Yeah. So for that reason, I'm trying to f- pass as fast as I can, and I'm... Pretty soon, we find ourselves going a brisk 140 kilometers an hour. So here you could say, Chris, you're doing something unsafe. You're doing 140, and I would argue with you. I'm not. I'm simply driving with the speed of traffic. Yeah. Uh, the vehicles in the left... Woo. There you go. The vehicles Woo. in the left lane in front of me are doing the same speed. In fact, the white vehicle in front of us wants to go a little bit faster, but he's actually being blocked by somebody else. Yeah, he's the, he's the right. victim in this He's scenario. the victim, and, and, he's, and he's not enjoying his driving right now. If I was here, usually, that white car that was following quite close to the person in front and then passed on the right and then seemed frustrated, like, I'd be like, oh, that, that crazy driving on the 401. You see that white car, what, what that guy's doing? But I'm well, totally wrong then. Uh, you're totally wrong, yes. Because, again, remember, if the left lane was open for him to pass, he wouldn't be making those unnecessary maneuvers. So he would never look agitated. He would never look impatient. He would never look uh, as an aggressive driver. He is simply unable to do what is the safest thing to do, which is to put your blinker to the left and pass the vehicle to the right of you. Yeah. So, so, no, aggressive driving, which is what the OPP says a lot, is a very misleading term. We were probably, you and I were aggressive drivers today because we passed the vehicle on the right, right? So, so uh, however, we weren't. We're not angry at anything. We're not, uh, we're not struggling with anything, you know, personal lives or something. We're not, you know, venting or anything like this. We're just trying to enjoy it. And yet we could be portrayed as aggressive drivers. Chris hasn't had any collisions or got any tickets driving the way he does. But he says there is a downside. Because between being victimized by middle lane hogs and the fear of Sergeant Kerry Schmidt pulling him over, there's very little joy and comfort to be found. I don't drive on the highways very much. <laughs> oh, now uh, you tell me. You don't I don't. Even, uh, you don't even do this. Simply because it's sometimes too stressful for me and because I don't want to be called, called a speeder, right? And, and, and a lawbreaker. I actually find it very offensive if, if I'm considered a speeder when I'm doing 130 and I'm not doing anything dangerous. You're flowing in the traffic with the traffic right now doing 130. You're not a speeder in my view. Nobody has a right to call you a speeder. They have a right to call you a perfect driver. The next time I'm driving the car with my wife, 
I show her the fruits of my newfound Christmas spirit toward our fellow travelers on the 401. So Chris would suggest you go along at 120 or whatever in the slow lane. 120 in the slow lane? Yeah. Holy. Then now we're gonna pass and we're gonna pass fast. We don't pass slowly. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Pretty soon we find ourselves with five lanes of traffic going in the same direction. And while I'm cautiously looking to change into a slower lane, two cars whiz past me on the right. So they are feeling principled. They're not feeling aggressive. Those people speeding past us on the right feel like victims in this situation. But they're incorrect. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you feel that you should just get to go way faster than everyone else is going, and that makes you in the right to just like do illegal, dangerous maneuvers. I don't feel like that is a legitimate way to treat really? the conventions. Okay, well, you may not love your enemy, but I'm, I feel warmly <laughs> towards them. Two, three, four. Loving thine enemy is hard at the best of times. Loving thine enemy while they're passing you on the right is, well, I once would have called it impossible. The experience of finding out about other drivers' perspectives and feelings on the matter makes it seem fractionally more plausible. And it makes the business of sharing the road with them fractionally less unpleasant. Kind of comforting to see how many of us are all doing this horrible thing and at least within eyesight what is it 400 cars right now all hating life but they've all survived for the last five minutes it's a testament really to our ability to cooperate i feel like it's a testament to our ability to build ugly unhappy systems and then to sort of put up with it and live inside them well, that too, that too. Yeah. So, in that spirit, happy Christmas, everyone. We wish you thriving in comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Thriving in comfort and joy. Thriving in comfort and joy. Tom Howell. That doc was produced by Tom. It was edited by me, A.C. Rowe. For photos of everyone you met today, head to our website, cbc.ca slash docproject. In all seriousness, though, be safe on the roads. Wear your seatbelt. Don't drive if you're tired. Don't let other people drive if they're tired. And don't drive if you've consumed too many cups of cheer. Or tokes of cheer. May we all remember that the cars and trucks around us have actual people in them. Please take a moment to rate and review us before you go, and subscribe if you don't already. Also, if you want more from Tom, scroll back to your Doc Project podcast feed in April. You're looking for an episode called Towel of Song, a documentary musical in which Tom and Linda go head-to-head in the ultimate battle of terry cloth versus Turkish towels, and naturally, it is sung. That's all for us this week. The Doc Project is produced by Allison Cook, Julia Poggle, and me. Althea Manassin is our digital producer. Senior producer is Jennifer Warren. I'm Macy Rowe, wishing you a season of efficient and orderly zipper merging. Saturday, Saturday. 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 Saturday.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.